one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi. What you doing? Who was I talking to? Well, I was talking to Jennifer. Who's Jennifer? She's an osteopath. Well, that's um, sort of hard for me to explain, but she could probably explain it better herself. This is that. Do you want me to ask her? Okay. come from osteopathy so it comes from it originated in america in kirksville in missouri and it was an american doctor called dr andrew taylor still and he set up the first osteopathy college in 1892 there so he was kind of like he was a physician his dad was a doctor but back then the training was very basic and you kind of learned on the job so they didn't really have medical schools per se back then and a lot of his training would have come from actually digging up graves and that's what they did then to get access to kind of skeletons to study anatomy because I mean they didn't have lovely dissection labs and cadavers and things like that so he had um, a big family and three of his kids died from meningitis there was an outbreak at the time and at the time the drugs were probably so I suppose, what's the word? They were they just weren't very effective and he needed to mm. find another kind of solution or to try and help the body in a different way. And yeah. that's how he stumbled upon kind of using manual medicine to kind of just integrate the body better structurally because when a body is structurally working better, it can function better. So that's how his approach kind of developed from there. Um, and then he set up a college and then it just kind of grew and then it came over to London probably in the 60s. So that's where I went and trained was over in... In the 60s? Yeah, in the <laughs> 60s, of course. So, and I mean, I suppose there's kind of, I suppose four tenets or principles to osteopathy, but the main one is that, you know, the whole body is interlinked. So that's why it's kind of a, a whole body approach to, to looking after people. And, you know, we don't just treat more one thing in isolation because everything is connected so you know if for example if somebody comes in with lower back pain we won't just treat their their lower back we'll look at what's going on around their pelvis their rib cage is it an issue up in their neck is it an issue in their diaphragm I suppose one of the other beliefs is that the body has its own innate ability to heal itself we're just trying to support that Mm -hmm. so just to give you an idea of how the whole system is interlinked Can you tell me a little bit about your training? So originally when I went to college, um, when I... In the 60s. In the 60s. Um, <laughs> uh, when I went to university, originally I went to UCC in Cork and I did nutritional science. And while I was there, I was like, oh, this isn't the course for me because... 
I originally thought I wanted to do physiotherapy and when I was in transition year in school, I did a week in the matter because my sister was a nurse there. Oh. So I spent most of the time either fainting or feeling sick <laughs> and they were like, uh, sorry, sweetie, this kind of... Get out. Yeah, it isn't for you. So um, so then I did nutritional science and it was, it was great, but I was in a lab all day and I was like... This really isn't what I thought it was going to be. So I found a book one day, just by chance, in a bookshop on osteopathy. I went, that's it. Light bulb moment. It's exactly what I want to do. Wow. Hadn't a clue where I could train. So I started to do some research. Um, then I found that there was, um, Carlo IT had a two-year health science and physiology course. So I did okay. that for two years. And then I went and did four years full-time to train to be an osteopath. So I went to the Surrey Institute of Osteopathic Medicines. So to qualify as well, you have to do a thousand clinic hours under supervision. So there's quite a comprehensive training to it. So... Do you feel like your earlier years before you decided to do osteopathy was a good segue into it? Yeah, absolutely. I still like, I'm very passionate about nutrition and health and all those kind of things. So that's really, yeah, yeah, definitely. And okay. then the course I did in Carlo IT was great. Like, I mean, yeah. it was it was very uh, comprehensive. So when I got to England for the first year, it meant I was able to, to relax with the course and not worry so much about yeah. the anatomy and physiology because I'd already done two years of it. Yeah. Are there any other kind of areas of expertise that you've kind of dabbled in over the years? Every year you, you have to complete at least 30 hours of CPD in order to re-register with the Osteopathic Council. So I would spend most of my time doing training in paediatrics mm. and obstetrics and cranial osteopathy. So mm. that's my passion. Women's health, babies and children. Mm. You must yep. see some amazing recoveries. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not, you know, it's not really what I do as per se. It's it's how we just have the body to work better and it does its own healing. Yeah, supporting. Supporting, yeah. And everything, you know, we work, I suppose we're complementary to if people are on medication, if people are going for different various treatments and things like that. We just try to work with everything that's going on in the, the process as well. Is there a society or an organisation in Ireland? Yeah, so we have the Osteopathic Council of Ireland. So they're our regulating body and all osteopaths are registered with them. With the association, you have to do a minimum of like 30 hours CPD every year. So it's it's quite closely regulated and monitored. Mm. We have a very good website where people can kind of search and find osteopaths and where we're located and what we do. So just for somebody who doesn't know what an osteopath is, it's a good resource. Yeah. Yeah. So... We've talked before about mentioning the difference between osteopathy and craniology. So osteopathy um, encompasses many ways of treating. So more hands-on manual medicine as opposed mm. to, I suppose, conventional medicine might be more kind of interventions with drugs or, you know, procedures, things like that. But um, when I treat babies and kids, um, I would mostly use cranial treatment or cranial osteopathy. So it's, it's a very subtle but a very gentle form of osteopathy. It's still hands-on. But it's really, really gentle. And when people come in, they're kind of surprised at how little sometimes you look like you're doing. And you're like, oh, is she actually doing anything? Is she just holding the baby's tummy? But we're, we are working structurally, but just with babies, we just need to be really gentle. So we're also working on their little joints, the fascia. We're working on, you know, the bones of their head, their, their sacrum. And it all comes back to, I suppose, going through the history with someone and finding out what kind of birth the baby had, what kind of pregnancy the mum had, where babies possibly picked up a little bit of tensions. And we can see, you know, if a baby's lying down on the, the treatment bed, we can see that sometimes they're lying with their head one way and their body might follow. So we know that they might have been in a little bit of a squished kind of banana shape and they've got more tension on that side. So Okay, so you'll see basically anyone. Yeah, anyone. You could be an elderly man, yeah. uh, a newborn babies or a bit children of any age. Absolutely, yeah. Prenatal and postnatal women. Yeah. Anybody can come and see you for any kind of ailments. What are yep. typical things that most people come and see you for? Um, 
Um, typical things would be maybe lower back pain, um, pelvic pain. I would see a lot of people with headaches, sometimes things like vertigo. With children, I would see things like constipation in older kids, mm. sleeping difficulties. Mm. Babies, typically people come in either because they're having newborn feeding issues. So babies not feeding well from both breasts if, if you know they prefer feeding from one side or they're turning their head to one side more than the other. Mm. Um, then I suppose with older kids, um, sometimes they're fussy eaters. And all, they're just a little bit overactive and they find it hard to kind of switch off. So sometimes sleeping can be difficult then yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, everything comes in through the door. You know, it's not just musculoskeletal stuff. So, And I quite like treating a broad range of things mm-hmm. as well. Um, like things, issues with, I suppose, for other kids as well, like maybe with blocked ear tubes. We can help with that. Sometimes kids will need to get grommets, but we can just help before they go for them, really assist in the drainage, sinuses, yeah. loads of different things. And then during mm. pregnancy, a lot of things we would see, again, would be lower back pain, pelvic girdle pain, sciatica, rib pain, sometimes neck and headaches, just because there's so much postural adaptation during the pregnancy yeah. stage. So it's very broad ranged. What's a typical first treatment? So the first treatment when somebody comes in is to go through a case history and it's quite an in-depth one. A lot of people think, you know, they're going through the Spanish Inquisition, but it's really important that we kind of get to the root of what's going on. So we'll ask about your symptoms, where they are, what's going on, how long it's been there for, is it getting worse, is it getting better? Because we also need to screen and make sure if there's any red flags that we pick them up very quickly. For example, you know, if somebody's needs a quick referral back to their doctor, if they need to go for an MRI scan or, you know, an ultrasound, that we don't delay and waste time. Yeah. Because we are primary care practitioners, we're trained to do that as well. Yeah. That's why the case history is really important. And I'll also ask about, you know, digestion, bowel movements, what we eat, what our stress is like, because those things are important as well, because all those things facilitate healing. And if we're not eating very well, then healing time might be a little bit slow if we're not yeah. sleeping very well, if we're under a lot of stress. If we've had a lot of kind of medication in the past, if we've had a lot of surgery, traumas, those kind of things are really mm. relevant to how a person is one able to heal and how quickly they're going to heal as well. Yeah, totally. And I think as well, when you have that conversation with somebody, you all of a sudden become aware that it's more than just that isolated yeah. back pain that you have. Yeah. It's all these other things. It's about empowering people as well to take responsibility for their own health, control of their own health. You know, anybody can that you go to will be able to do something in that time frame, but it's about what you do then the rest of the time as well that really makes a difference. Absolutely. Yeah. So once you have that chat, then that initial chat. So then what we do is an examination. So we'll get the patient standing. Generally, I'll do a bit of an observation as well. So I kind of look at the posture, look at the spinal curves. How are they standing? I'm all of a sudden like shifting the way I'm yeah. sitting on the seat now. I'm just going to start I going know. like this. I'm crossing <laughs> your legs, which I'm, I'm doing. Um, yeah. And so we get a good idea of, I suppose, where a person is in relation to their centre of gravity line. Are they sitting, are they standing <laughs> too far forward, too far back? All those kind of things. And, you know, we do that with kids as well. Like when I get a child standing, I have a look at your feet, your knees, are they turning in, are they collapsing? Yeah. How are the arches? How are your hips, your pelvis? So it just gives us a good idea. And also, I suppose, you know, posture can tell us so much about a person's inner well-being. You know, if they're not feeling very well yeah. in themselves, they'll often be a little bit, you know... Like body language. Body language, yeah. totally. So, you know, that's a good indicator of how the person is doing in themselves mm. as well. Mm. So then what we'll do is, depending on what I find, what's going on, we'll um, we'll do some more examination on the treatment bed. And then I always try to do some treatment in the first consultation as well. But for me, the history is really, really important during yeah. the first um, visit. Yeah. It doesn't just stop there. I mean, when a new patient comes in afterwards and I'm writing up my notes, I'll really spend time going through what I found, what I observed 
what I think is going on because you can never tell just from the first go exactly, exactly what's going on. You get a good idea, mm. but you know, you need to spend a little bit of time putting the, the jigsaw pieces together. Is there an average number of time that a patient would come back to you? Or? Um, it, it really varies. So I suppose babies and kids, they don't need that many treatments, whereas an adult might need more treatments. Again, it depends. You know, someone might have just strained a muscle in their back at the weekend playing, you know, tennis or something like that. They might only need one or two sessions. Somebody might have a chronic um, issue with their lower back where they've got wear and tear, they have some disc bulging. They might need ongoing treatment. On average, I suppose I would see babies probably about three times. Mm. Sometimes they need a course of treatments, which would be six. Um, You know, the same for adults as well. I always say, look, with something that's been there a long time, let's give it at least a trial of three treatments, see how we go. If we're not getting anywhere or making much of a change, I'll be like, okay, what else do we need to do here? Mm. Do we need to try something else? Do you need to go see someone else? But we always give it enough time because the body can take a little bit of time to change as well. Yeah, okay. So do you get a lot of women coming to see you prenatally? Definitely. So prenatally, again, sometimes women can experience a lot of lower back pain in the early stages of pregnancy, which is when you wouldn't expect it to be because, you know, the uterus is still very small, baby is still very small. But sometimes just there are postural adaptations that happen early on. So they might have a lot of acute lower back pain. Mm -hmm. Again, we don't do very much in the early stages of pregnancy. It's very gentle. But if somebody's in pain, I will get them, especially if I've been treating them before as well, I'll get them to come in and we'll just do some very gentle work. Really, um, I suppose when problems might start to arise, is from that second trimester on January around week 20 is when bump takes a big growth spurt you know the posture really starts to change where you know you see the curve starts to get a little bit more pronounced and at that stage you know uterus is really starting to kind of grow up towards the ribs so ribs have to expand out Mm. diaphragm has to take a big stretch you know your sternum has to lift up so so many things have to happen in the whole spine to accommodate those changes so you know at at that stage um, and you know some people want to come just because they want to be as well as they can throughout their pregnancy. Sure. Often, you know, women are told, look, it's it's pregnancy, there's nothing you can do, you just have to put up with it. Where there's not, you should feel as well as you can during your pregnancy and just try to give yourself the best chance to enjoy the pregnancy, but to also have the best labour as well. Yeah, I was totally ignorant and it wasn't mm. until afterwards that I discovered there's a whole world of information that you can mm. take on yeah. to just know yeah. what's going on. Look, knowledge is power, but sometimes it's such a big daunting experience. You know, you're just trying to go into it as as calmly as you can. And sometimes maybe too much knowledge is overloading and it can lead to more anxiety and stress. That's true. But on the flip side, yeah, you know, these things, it is better to know about them. And, Mm. you know, even as regards to pelvic floor physio as well, like if I have um, pregnant patients, I do try to encourage them to maybe go for an assessment. Yeah before the neighbour and definitely to go afterwards. Like that's yeah. so important. Yeah. Totally. What about newborn babies? Yeah. <gasps> the little doteens. Yeah. <laughs> My favourite, I have to say. I'm sorry now to, to anyone else, but they're, yeah, they're special. Do you just like clear your schedule when somebody rings you? And <laughs> yeah, I know. I kind of have to calm down and not, you know, start getting overexcited and that because I just love them. Sure, they're gorgeous. I know. How could you not? Oh, stop. Yeah. yeah. They're so delicate mm-hmm. and vulnerable even though they're not really like I mean you think they're going to break they're not like mm-hmm. they're, you can see they're so strong and they're moving their heads and their necks but you just want to wrap them in cotton wool and just really mind them at the start and yeah. 
And you know, and that's one of the reasons why I love treating babies and children is because if there is anything, the sooner we can pick up on it, mm-hmm. the better for them, the better yeah. for their development. You know, we want them to grow as balanced and symmetrically as possible. Yeah. You know, if they have a little bit of tension around their neck, it's not something that, you know, is going to cause them major problems, but it might just affect how they grow and sure. that they carry a little bit more tension on the side that they turn to more. We see it in adults, like I often, or even with older kids, I'm like, I wish I'd just seen them when they were babies because we could have really ironed out some of these creases a little bit earlier on. So they're not carrying it into later life as well. Do you think it's maybe an essential thing? In my opinion, yeah, I do. It's it's definitely good if, you know, if people could just bring baby for at least one treatment if they can. It'd be great. As and, you know, point. even if all we do is do a session and I can give them some advice and then they can go home and start implementing these things in terms of positioning, you know, gentle movements with the baby, that type of thing is really important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when a mother or a father comes with their newborn baby in mm-hmm. to see you, what's a typical treatment like for that? Well, again, we'll go through the case history. Um, and again, it's really important to find out how the pregnancy was. You know, mum might often say to me, oh, pregnancy was great. I flew through it. <laughs> and yeah. then, you know, I'll I'll be working on the baby and I'll like, like was baby in the breech position or were they transverse? Because you can feel it in their body. But often that's not mentioned or mama might have been really sick, you know, with reflux, heartburn, those kind of things. And you kind of pick up that up on the baby as you go along. So, yeah. you know, how the pregnancy was is actually really relevant yeah. to how the baby is doing now. Yeah. And sometimes mum might have needed to have some antibiotics during the pregnancy sure. because your immune system is a little bit more vulnerable and that can have a knock-on effect onto the baby's gut and their gut health then mm. as well. But all those things are things that you can adjust. So it's not like the end of the world no, if you had a breach or if you not. had an antibiotic nope. or any of those kind of symptoms. No way. No, definitely mm-hmm. not. It just helps us to kind of put, again, the picture of what's going on a little bit better. Yeah. And again, it's the Irish thing of where mums just are great. They just get on with it, you know, and... The Irish mammies are the best. They mammies. are the best. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, their leg can be hanging off, but, you know, they'll still come in and get their baby sorted. And that's why, you know, yeah. mums are often kind of the last to get treatment or to mind themselves because baby is our priority but I always say to mums look if you can just get one or two treatments yourself not Mm -hmm. necessarily with me with whoever you can but just to do something just to kind of get your body back into recovery as well So on that when can a postnatal mother come to see an osteopath in your view? Well because you know it depends on how or you know if you've gone during pregnancy or used to treatment and it it depends on who you're going to how they treat as well so obviously at the early stages it needs to be quite gentle treatment Um, you know I've sometimes had mums come in at seven days just because they were sore before the labour and you know maybe they're a little bit sore after it Mm. Um, but if everything's doing well just for a checkup, I would say you know leave it till about maybe five or six weeks to just mm-hmm. let your body settle down you kind of have enough going on with the baby your nervous system is probably in that little bit of flight or fight kind of yeah. mode after delivery so just let things settle down but if you're in pain definitely come in sooner you don't have you know after c-section it's better to wait till maybe the six week mark sure okay so you've you've probably treated a lot of postnatal women mm-hmm. o- over the years yeah um like what's the response I suppose when, when mums are breastfeeding as well or not even breastfeeding just lifting babies in and out of car seats they don't realise how much tension they're carrying in their bodies till they get a treatment and they're like, oh my God, that yeah. feels so good yeah. because everything just feels really tight. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they tend to respond really quickly and sometimes, again, they might need a few sessions. But like I think with you as well, I said, yeah. try get your Epsom salt bath. Yes. Use your magnesium spray. Magnesium. <laughs> Those kind of things. Yeah. Because again, magnesium isn't just good for, you know, relaxing the muscles. It's also good for relaxing your nervous system. 
And Let's talk a bit about the nervous system, yeah. actually, because when I was working with you and I would come for treatments, yeah. I really felt like the nervous system was really at the centre yeah. of everything. Yeah. And while it's not like going for a massage, yeah. I did experience like a deeper relaxation than I had been feeling for a really long time. Yeah. You know, and even to be able to tap into that. Yeah. To take that home with you and go, okay, that's how you relax again, yeah. you know? Is that at the core of your treatment, like the relaxation of the nor- nervous Center. Yeah, it, it probably is actually because, um, you know, we've, without getting into too much depth, but there's two kind of components to our nervous system. And one is our parasympathetics, which is our lovely rest and relaxation part. And then the, the sympathetic, which is our flight or fight response. And throughout the day, we all go between those two, depending on, you know, what's going on in our day. But if we've been through a life changing event, which giving birth is, mm-hmm. you can sometimes be a little bit more in that sympathetic component which is that flight or fight response because you've got to take care of this new human mm. they rely on you 24-7 yeah. um, sometimes you know babies are very chilled out easy going at the start and then maybe two weeks after they've been born that's when they really wake up and all of a sudden you've got this baby that's starting to kind of cry a bit more is a bit more fussy with feeds isn't pooping very regularly and they're yeah. in a bit of pain so mum's nervous system can be really really over alert and hyper vigilant and that's part of I suppose of needing to care for your baby as well and if anything, you know, should go wrong, you know, you just intuitively will know really quickly. But in order for your healing to happen as well, you need to be able to get into that rest and repair one a little bit better as Mm. well. So Mm. that's why treatment, you know, body work is very good just for embodying yourself again. You know, Mm -hmm. you get out of your head. You you just start to relax a little bit better with that kind of work, I find. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are you able to bring your baby along oh, yeah. to your appointment with you? Yeah. And, you know, sometimes baby will sleep and they'll be happy and sometimes they won't. And sometimes we end up bringing, you know, baby onto mom's chest. We just work around it. You know, and even if mom only gets 20 minutes of treatment, it'll make a big difference. Definitely. Okay. So what do you particularly like about working with postnatal women? I just like helping them feel like they're getting their bodies back. And I don't mean that in a... In a like in a physical sense, because, you know, you really do give over your body when you're pregnant and you have to go with it. And with all the changes, you really don't have any control over that. And just after birth, then, you know, things are weaker. Um, you're just a little bit more vulnerable. So it's just about getting mom physically back into a better place, especially, you know, with the pelvis. If there's been any, for example, maybe they've had some pelvic floor trauma. They've had some, there's been intervention with a forceps or one Mom can be quite sore around her whole pelvic area. So it's to kind of get her feeling good back in that area again, because it's it's not as painful for her, maybe with certain movements. Mm. So it's just about helping mom to get strong in her body again. But, you know, I suppose through the mind-body connection as well. Yeah, yeah. So you are um, meeting people all of the time, new people, yeah. you've got old clients, new clients yeah. all the time. Um do you feel a sense of being part of the fourth trimester? Yeah, I do. Because um, again, you know, in that fourth trimester as well, maybe just back to the nervous system, if a baby is very unsettled, you know, they're finding it very hard to kind of, I suppose, to regulate themselves, which babies need to learn over time. And if mom is trying to cope with a very colicky or refluxy baby, that's really hard on that dynamic. And sometimes it can impact bonding, it can impact mum's self-esteem because sometimes she feels like, you know, she's not able to settle her own baby, which she is. But sometimes a baby's in pain, if you bring the baby into the osteopath and they get a cranial treatment, it can really help get baby out of discomfort. Mm-hmm. That's going to have an impact on how mum and dad are with the baby. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I definitely think, you know, a happier baby is a happier mum and, and vice versa because mum and baby are really biological mirrors of each other. So what's going on with, with mum is kind of going on with baby and, and vice versa. So the more we can just help that whole, you know, 
time for yeah relationship just to kind of you know get off to the best start and just to integrate with each other better it just helps the whole dynamic yeah for the family I think there's a wonderful education piece involved in coming to see an osteopath for treatments yeah especially in that stage yeah and like you said or like we were talking about first time moms maybe they don't really know the level to which their body has exhausted itself yeah. through labour yeah. and delivery yeah. and the state of the nervous system in yeah. those first couple of months yeah. it's a bit of a roller coaster yeah. I think it's really really important to be encouraged and supported to give yourself a break yeah. um, or get what you need yeah. and it's just to kind of I suppose give mums the reassurance that this too shall pass everything is going to settle down you and your baby are going to get to know each other so well that you know it will just be a beautiful time but just in that first kind of Three months, it is really hard because you're you're trying to get to know their hunger cues, their tired cues, you know, pain cues because they haven't had a poo, all those kind of things. <laughs> We're laughing, yeah, We're little bells, yeah. So you know, and at around that three month stage, that's when things definitely start to get easier. Yeah. So it's not six weeks. Yeah. <laughs> as people are sometimes commonly told. No. It's it's. It takes a little bit longer. And it's completely individual as well yeah. and unique. Could be really quick as well. Yeah. Yeah. So it just varies. Do you consider yourself an important part of the fourth trimester community in Dublin or Ireland? Definitely. I mean, you know, I'm I'm very fortunate in that um, when I treat someone's baby, next time they have another baby, they bring the baby in again and... So repeat business. Yeah, repeat business. <laughs> you know, and then if they've had a good experience, they tell her to mums and Yeah. And then oftentimes I kind of feel like I'm a little bit of a silly black for mammies and trying to link them <laughs> up with each other in different groups and you know, just trying to get this kind of shared sense of community for mums that they feel more supported and yeah. You know, because they make such great friendships out of um, going to like baby yoga, baby totally. massage. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, people that are in the same situation can really have a lot more empathy for each other because they know exactly what each other is exactly. going through. Yeah, and so you would know like other lactation consultants yeah. or yeah. you know women's health physios yeah. or a really good gynecologist or whatever yeah. like you know so you've got the inside track yeah <laughs> yeah and it's important because you know like I said with, I think you know when you came to me your back as well I felt like there was a stage yeah. where we needed to you know go to the, the pelvic floor physio yeah. Yeah. or you know start your Pilates where you needed to start the rehab work as well so mm. I will only refer people to you know that I really trust as well and that I know is going to you know take great care of them Aww. I have a little game and it's called the biscuit tin. I don't know if you ever played this game when no, you were younger. No. Everyone says no. Never. But basically, in this little, it's not even a biscuit tin because I don't have a tin. In this little Ikea Ziploc bag are some words. And um, you pick a word mm-hmm. and then you tell me what the first thing that comes to your head is. Let's see what comes out. Self-care. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Um, what comes to mind with that is taking a lovely Epsom salt bath with some lavender in it and just getting, even if it's only 10 minutes, just out for mum. Because, you know, that will do so much good for your muscles, just to, just a little bit of rest. Yeah, excellent tip. Grant, yeah, pick another one. Yeah, probably not a great. <laughs> just uh, one more. One more. Sleep. Just take it when you can. Yeah. And just, you know, if you can get 20 minutes here and there during the day, if possible. Yeah, right, Jennifer. Yeah, right. Yeah, that, right. Yeah, everyone laughs at me when I say that to them. I know. But you still say it and that's important. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. that's just sometimes giving somebody permission. Exactly. You know, it's like, yeah. that's okay if you want to do that. Yeah. 
but like, no, I don't think I slept for a really long time. Okay. Would you say sleep is something that's coming back into the equation? Yeah, it yeah. is. Good. Yeah. yeah. Good. Like, still like bouts of about three or four hours. I feel okay. like we're slipping into treatment mode here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. What else? What other tips do you have? Um, so for newborn babies, um, I would say just make sure that you're encouraging baby to look both ways, left and right, because mm-hmm. um, that's really important. Tummy time as well. You know, tummy time you don't do per se, you know, on a mat at the start, they're more on your tummy. But just maybe to build tummy time in throughout the day. So with every nappy change, maybe turn baby onto their tummy for maybe 30 seconds or a minute. Um, and just with tummy time as well, because some babies can get really upset and worked up when they're in it and it can be a little bit stressful. So then mm. parents end up not doing it. But it's all about maybe just making eye contact with the baby, socially engaging them so they feel more kind of safe and reassured. So with anything you're going to do with a baby, you know, baby massage or anything like that if they're getting a little bit stressed out just you know sing to them make eye contact with them just try and get them to relax so with tummy time you're just trying to get them into the habit of doing it and they might only do it for 10 seconds that's fine but just with every nappy change just during the day obviously not at night time just build an intro at the day like that does tummy time need to be on a play mat or on the ground or could it be like on your chest even? Yeah, on your chest qualifies as as well. When they get a little bit stronger, say maybe about, you know, kind of eight, ten weeks onwards, then you can start doing it on a mat because mm. you do want them kind of putting a little bit of pressure into their hands and, mm. and lifting up through their shoulders because when they go to crawl, we want them to have already have started to use those pathways as well. Yeah. So that's quite important for that process. And for mums, you know, just try and stretch a little bit as well. It might be the last thing on your mind, but, you know, sitting when you're bottle feeding, breastfeeding, you're not always sitting in the best posture. Sometimes you're just so tired, you're just going to do whatever you do. But afterwards, you know, if muscles are tight, it can lead to headaches, all that kind of stuff. So just a little bit of swinging your arms around, a little bit of gentle stretching only takes five minutes. That's all. And you might think you haven't got the time. Just make the time because you will feel (laughs) so much better. Okay, amazing. Do you use any music in your treatments? Um, When I'm treating, I like to have music on in the background. So I always just play the same thing, which I'm sure people are really sick of at this stage. I just have Mozart meditations on. But it's just because it just helps people to kind of relax. And it's such soothing music. I think it just gets them out of that flight or fight kind of response or drive. If they've had a really busy day, they can come in, we can have a chat, we can offload a little bit. Mm. And then when I want them to kind of really switch off the music helps yeah and it's it's great babies love it too sometimes we play a little bit of Bob Marley babies mm-hmm. tend to like that in the yeah. treatment definitely yeah because music is so therapeutic and yeah. so powerful yeah. yeah will we talk a little bit about magnesium yeah there's many different ways that you can take magnesium yeah. into your body right yeah there is yeah mm. so you can take it orally you can take a supplement mm-hmm. you can take it um, you can use a spray that you yeah. spray onto your body the spray can feel a little bit itchy and prickly at the start but that's mm-hmm. fine that's just um, absorption mm-hmm. um, you can take it in powder form as well mm. so you kind of have to just find what works best for you. Um, yeah. Some people find they don't like taking capsules, so you just take the powder form, dissolve yeah. it in a little bit of hot water, top it up with cold water and drink it. Yeah. And the spray is great for people who don't have time during the day, they just forget to take things, keep it by your bedside locker and yeah. just spray it on at night time or in the morning whenever you see it, mm. just do it then. The reason why it's so good is because it's kind of nature's natural chill pill. And magnesium, even though you might be eating loads of organic, you know, vegetables that should have loads of magnesium, if the soil isn't kind of constantly remineralized or, you know, if the soil is kind of overcropped, then the magnesium is leached out of it. Oh, so okay. you might not necessarily be absorbing it from your food because it isn't in your food. Right. 
Um, you know, when you're, you know, if you're under stress as well, we tend to burn off magnesium a little bit quicker. Okay. You're definitely under stress after you've had a baby. Mm. So it's a time, I think, when moms really benefit from that nutrient. So definitely yeah. that would be one of my top tips is to take the magnesium. So it could be a nice little gift yes. to bring somebody yeah. as a like magnesium spray definitely yeah definitely magnesium spray just if you're taking it orally you need to be careful not to take too much too soon because mm-hmm. magnesium acts as a little bit of a laxative as well oh, the gut. So, enjoy so that's one way to know you know you've taken too much is if you find you're going to the toilet a lot yeah. so just you know if it says take three capsules or take three teaspoons start with one capsule okay. and just build up your bowel tolerance to it yeah. And, you know, you don't have to take it every day, but just at the start, it can be really, really helpful and therapeutic. It totally is. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. And just on a side note as well, you know, when we're looking at kind of minerals and things like that, I always try to encourage women after they've given birth to eat really, if they're a meat eater, to eat collagen rich foods just to kind of help with healing of their womb. And just if they've had a C-section to support scar tissue repair. Okay. So like, you know, lovely beef casseroles, lamb stews, those kind of things. Mm. And then if you if you are a vegetarian, you can also take a collagen supplement in a powder form as well. Okay. You just really want to promote healing internally as well. Mm, okay. So that's a good tip as well. It's a great tip. Okay. How can people find you if they're looking for you? <laughs> if they need to um, find me, my website is www.osteo.ie. Um, I have a Wow, hold on a minute. You got like osteo.ie. You got that URL. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I'm not on Instagram. I do have a Facebook page. I don't really do social media. Um, Maybe text message or... Yeah, text or, or, you know, on my website, you'll get my landline number. So mm-hmm. I have a clinic number, which people can ring to make appointments. I have a work mobile number as well, which people will contact me on or text me on. You know, mums are often busy, so I can get text messages at half six in the morning saying, my baby has been up all night, can I book in? Mm-hmm. You know, that type of thing. Yeah. So that's yeah. fine. Yeah. Whatever way is, is easy. But yeah. social media, you won't really find me there. Fair enough. Yeah. That's grand. You're a yeah. busy lady. Yeah. Okay, amazing. Well, I think that's it. Unless there was yeah. anything else that you thought you might want to talk about. Um, no. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.